Alright everybody, welcome to Tossing Taker, episode number 55 of our encyclopedic exploration, digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time. My name is Alex Dorio, and I want to thank you for joining us for yet another round of Dead Man Talking. I am one of your co-hosts, one of the creatures of the night, at Alex Dorio on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and all that good stuff. And I am joined, as always, by my co-host, my wrestling buddy, my fellow creature, out there amongst the creatures yet again, <laughs> Mr. Travis White. And Travis, like I just said, we've been plugging along for 55 episodes now for over a year. And, you know, we've hit some rough spots, uh, some tough matches to get through. But, man, I got to ask you. As we were getting ready to do this episode, dude, were you having as many second thoughts about this whole podcast as I was? <laughs> Absolutely, man. It was a chore to get through this buildup from rock bottom, which was, like as we mentioned, scraping the bottom of the barrel for that match and ending, to getting to this, which may have even hit a, a deeper bottom. <laughs> the, the bottom is the rockest bottom. I don't know. But it's, <laughs> we dug deep into the bowels of uh, insanity to get to this match and this build-up. Well, we are talking about WrestleMania 15, the region climax, and the Undertaker's <laughs> matchup on this pay-per-view against the big boss man in a Hell in a Cell match. And boy, it was hell to get through. <laughs> We're going to talk <laughs> yeah. about it. We're going to try to condense everything that happened on the road from rock bottom to Wrestlemania on the bumpiest road to Wrestlemania we've ever had to cover and man talk got, about a highway to hell oh my this god dude <laughs> <laughs> I got car sick so many times on this road to Wrestlemania yeah. so let's not waste any more time even though this might have been a waste of time and of my life <laughs> sitting through all this but uh yeah so we last left off at rock bottom on our encyclopedic exploration with The Undertaker being buried alive by his opponent that night, by Stone Cold Steve Austin. And, and that, the backhoe. Uh, with the backhoe, with the assistance <laughs> from the backhoe. And, you know, we assumed the burial oh. was finished. Stone Cold just walked sure. away at some point. <laughs> but we actually don't see The Undertaker for, for a few weeks as he is buried alive and... Apparently, he's undergoing some sort of metamorphosis, some sort of change. <laughs> he's been killed off, and he's going to be reborn here in a few weeks. But we don't see The Undertaker for a few weeks. Meanwhile, we do see our old pal, our old buddy, Phineas Godwin, a.k.a. Dennis Knight, becomes the center of attention for a few weeks. Yeah, he does. And apparently, something that, something that Undertaker did do while he was in his chrysalis, metamorphosing or whatever... Um, he appeared in the latest edition of Tattoo Magazine, apparently, oh, is what they tell us on, uh, on December, December 21st. Now, I did some investigative research, and I could not find this at all. Nowhere to be found on the internet. So if someone can please find The Undertaker's interview in the Tattoo Magazine from, I've guessed, December of 98, please let us know if we got any extra sleuthy people out there. I couldn't find it. So That would be pretty interesting to read. 
Uh, yeah, I know. I, I want. I, I literally was interested because in everything else here is bonkers. <clears throat> so this is also the night that Kane joins the corporation. Just for those of you keeping score. So anyway, yeah. Um, nothing else um, really happened in December until the end of end of December. We got Raw two ninety two. Our pal Dennis Knight, aka Phineas O Godwin. No, Phineas I Godwin. <laughs> yeah. Pig. Excuse me. I was going back to the Pogs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pig was his were his initials. So he gets um abducted basically um by the acolytes kidnapped by them beat up and put in the trunk of a car and then they drive away um again there's been no austin no taker for three weeks here uh we get the first vincent man royal rumble training video which is more entertaining than anything that's going to transpire in this build-up absolutely (laughs) but yeah dennis knight of southern justice formerly and the goblins is piled into a trunk of a car and driven away so who knows what's going to happen there well we do get an update on him the next week on Raw. Of course, most people remember January 4th, 1999 as the night where Mankind won the WWF Championship for the first time and a classic Raw moment. I mean, one of the... Putting the butts in the seats! Oh, man. Of course, Tony <laughs> Schiavone remembers it well for that reason. But it's one of the, just the great feel-good wrestling moments of all time. That pop yeah. of Stone Cold comes out to help mankind win that's one of the biggest crowd reactions you will ever hear or see and it didn't like i, I forgot that austin wasn't on the show for three weeks before that mm-hmm. so that's why it's so loud like i mean i knew it was loud but i forgot in context why well he had me on the show for three weeks as i'm sitting there watching these episodes I'm like what the heck is austin well then when he finally comes in yeah and it makes sense the crowd goes nuts for him so yeah kudos to them again nitro counter counteracting with the finger poke of doom on the same night so not so, not so well. Anyway, tell, tell us about what happened to old, old DK Dennis Knight on this this evening. This is Raw two ninety three on January fourth. Yeah, I mean 99. those two world title changes are what everyone remembers about Dennis Knight. <laughs> but the reason we're talking about it is because Dennis Knight is shown in a dungeon or workshop or lair of some sorts. We we go back there. He's basically being tortured. By the acolytes, yes. he's chained up and shackled there. We don't know what's happening. It's just very, very odd, very peculiar, very just. I don't even. I can't remember. I don't know if the announcers even pay attention to it or not. But it all basically leads up to Farouk saying, "It's time. He's ready for you." And they drag him screaming into some chamber, and we leave not knowing what's going on there. Yeah, they throw him like this temple door, like from Legends of the Hidden Temple. It's got these like, <laughs> burning flames outside. And another Nickelodeon thing I, I want to tie it into here is that that dungeon he's in. Do you remember that show? You can't do that on television. I love that. It was show. like it was a Canadian show. Yeah, yeah. that's where that's the a dungeon. It looks from. like yeah, that's a dungeon. It looks like he's in. He's in. And for all of us, those <laughs> Canadian fans we have, you also remember that show because that was a Canadian show that then came on in Nickelodeon. And I think uh, Atlantis Morissette was on that show. That's where she uh, got her start. Basically, come out of the lockers and everything like that. But yeah, if you remember the dungeon from that, that's where I believe they had um, Dennis Knight. So anyway, yeah, Farouk and, I, and uh, Bradshaw take him, uh, yeah, throw him in the Legends of the Hidden Temple door to meet Omek, I guess. <laughs> and we'll see we'll see what happens next. Because the next week, uh, January 11th, 99, Raw 294, we get this very disheveled Dennis Knight in a torn shirt coming out and telling us, telling Cole and King that he is here tonight, and he talks some, like, gibberish about space and about fractions, and it's like he's doing Scott Steiner math. 
and it's like a Scott Steiner and an Ultimate Warrior promo combined. It's, it's out of control. If you can imagine the absurdity of that. Yeah, coming out so. of Dennis Knight's mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, of course, is all to lead up to this just incredible visual segment, yeah. this spectacle that happens, this tableau. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we Call see back. The Undertaker's throne up on the ramp. It, it's pretty. It, it's got the shape of his symbol. It's his. Is this throne? The acolytes are standing there over the body of Dennis Knight, which is on a table. <laughs> um, the Undertaker's music hits, and we hear those same Gregorian chants that we've been hearing yeah. uh, for so long that we've heard the Undertaker. Uh, that we've heard used in his entrance uh, a few different times. And The Undertaker walks out for the first time in over a month now with a completely different look. And this is that Lord of Darkness look, that Ministry of Darkness look that we all remember. He's in a big cloak now. He's got the top of his goatee beard shaved off, so it's just just on the chin right there. And Paul Bear's got a bit of a new look, too. He's dyed his hair black and his yeah, mustache black deep, again. Um, so he, Deep black, man. Yeah. None more black. He looks Final terrible. <laughs> yeah, he looks even worse. <laughs> oh, man. It's crazy. And then, yeah, so they have Dennis Knight on the table and Druids come out. And Cole's like, I don't know what to make of this. Like, what a freaking idiot. What do you mean you don't know what to make of it? Just pay attention, you idiots. <laughs> Cole drives me nuts this whole bit. This whole time. I was about to get sick of him. And WrestleMania, he really takes me off. So oh, we'll me get too. there in a minute. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. Oh, well, man. Undertaker cuts a just this long-winded, very dark, very mysterious promo about the Ministry of Darkness seizing the entire land, making playthings of heroes, devouring innocence, and how this is the future um, this is what the entire World Wrestling Federation has to look forward to, all the pain he's going to inflict. And that leads to him stepping off of his throne, going over to Dennis Knight, who is wearing these silk purple prince pajamas. <laughs> and <laughs> Purple rain. <laughs> he starts speaking in tongues, much like he did uh, with yeah. Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I want to shout out to at St. Ridley on Twitter, who filled us in on these chants. He said a couple weeks ago that um, part of Undertaker's chant as he's about to embalm Austin is in Latin. That you can hear Satan's name clearly as he's chanting. And that another part is taken from the old Irish charm of making from the movie Excalibur. And uh, he writes it out. I don't know how to pronounce it, but he explains that. And then actually, uh, Randy Turco asked him uh, if he could venture a guess on what Taker saying at the beginning of that Ministry of Darkness theme that we're going to hear in a few weeks. And uh, he reiterated that's built off the same kind of old Irish chanting, kind of a blend of things, something about serpent's yeah. breath, age of darkness kind of stuff. So there hmm. you go. Uh, something I think we'd all been wondering about, and unless you had that sort of training or knowledge of that, you never know. But thank you, St. Ridley, for filling us in. Cool information here. Yeah, absolutely, man. Great. Good job. I couldn't stick that into my Google Translate, so yeah, I'm glad he was able to fill us out in there. So before he speaks in tongues, I want to mention here that Taker gives himself about five new nicknames while he's giving oh, his yes. long promo. He says, "Add him to the list." He says, "Yeah, let's add these." He goes, "I am the Reaper of Men, the Chaser of Souls, the Weaver of Nightmares, the Heart of Darkness." Great movie, by the way, with uh, Val Kilmer. 
Um, and then he says the purity of evil. Uh, so whatever that means. And then hell's <laughs> relocated to earth. So yeah, really intense stuff. But yeah, that's prior to him. He speaks that in English and he goes over and does these, you know, Latin chants and, and this tongue stuff. And then, I mean, I don't even know what to say. I, in my notes, I wrote this in all caps. He slits his wrist with a knife. He being Undertaker slits his own wrist with a knife, drains his blood into this goblet or chalice, tells Midian or tells, excuse me, Dennis Knight that you are, you know, from this moment, you're no longer Dennis Knight. You are Midian. Now drink. And then pours his blood into <laughs> Dennis Knight's mouth and then carves his symbol into Midian's chest, which now the way that they did that looks pretty cool. Like you oh, couldn't absolutely. see it looks cool. But, like, we are watching the World Wrestling Federation, <laughs> and this dude just slid his wrist and put his blood in a, in a guy in Prince Pajama's throat <laughs> and renamed him. This like is, Jesus does. This is the, the darkest, most over-the-top stuff <laughs> we've ever seen. And as you mentioned, oh. <laughs> for what it is, I mean, it's it's well-produced and, and sure. uh, it, well-done, I guess, it, in that level. They put a lot of effort into it and all these special effects. It looks like something. you know. Like I said, it's a spectacle. Yeah. It's something to what it would catch your eye if you were flipping channels, probably. But... In my opinion, and I'm probably going to reiterate this as we go along, this mm -hmm. treads a little too far into basically, it just reminded me of the Dungeon of Doom, of WCW, yes. those skits oh. with the Taskmaster and all ah. that sort of stuff. And those were well-produced too, but they were cheesy sure. as all get-out and goofy. And this was too. Uh, it was done in front of the live audience, but the crowd is just confused and quiet and all these yeah. guys are committed to it. I mean, even the acolytes who are probably Farouk and Bradshaw are sitting there. <laughs> they got to be thinking like, what the WTF? What am I doing? Yeah. What have yeah. I done with my life? But Ron Simmons, like FSU Hall of Famer, first yes. black world champion in WCW. <laughs> Bradshaw, Bradshaw's a tough guy, you know. I mean, at this point he wasn't who he became. But still, they're probably like, what am I doing? <laughs> but yeah, man, like you said, kudos to all these guys, especially Taker going above and beyond to get this over you know so out, out of control what happens next to doesn't media start like levitating floating. <laughs> <laughs> oh man it's absurd what is happening <laughs> oh. the undertaker has been reborn risen from the grave as a darker more evil version of himself basically we've entered the yeah. darkest timeline i guess and it's going to continue on you know, we can kind of breeze past the next couple shows as we go into the Royal Rumble. Basically, it kind of they reiterate things with Midian the next week. Undertaker cuts another really long-winded promo, and it, like kudos to him for memorizing it all and, yeah. and getting it oh, all yeah. over. But he's basically hyping that he's going to sacrifice someone else at the Royal Rumble. Yeah, another person is going to join <clears throat> the ministry. Yeah, and he finishes saying, "Accept the Lord of Darkness as your savior." Allow the purity of evil to guide you. Again, 12-year-old me is just cringing, you know, watching this. I'm definitely going to pay attention to WCW because I'm not having to worry about my parents walking in mm -hmm. and seeing this and getting mad at me for watching this sacrilege, you know, again, from where we were raised and stuff. So uh, yeah. it's just too much for me as a 12-year-old. <laughs> and going back and watching, I'm like, Daggum, man. No wonder I flipped over to WCW doing this stuff. So, yeah, again, I've got a little story to talk about that in a yeah, little while, too. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, at Heat right before the, uh, the night of the Rumble, basically, um, you know, you get Acolytes and Midian, who are the Ministry members at this point. They're attacking too much in Job Squad. Taker's music music kits. Um, Taker's flaked by three druids and said, "Later tonight, the lambs will be led to the slaughter. I'm choose my next victim." Also, just coincidentally, Mabel returns on Heat tonight. <laughs> and, Mabel. Uh, yeah, King Mabel. Undertaker's former rival. Exactly. Defeated him one-on-one in the King of the Ring qualifiers, or King of the Ring semifinals. So, yeah, he returns out of nowhere on this evening, uh, Heat 26, January 24th, 99, wearing all black and faces mankind. So that brings us into the actual Royal Rumble, which Taker does not participate in. However, we have some goings-on here. So take us and tell us what happens there. Yeah, Mabel enters the Royal Rumble, and he's there for a few minutes when the lights go out, and Taker's music hits. When the lights come up, the Acolytes and the Midian toss Mabel out of the Royal Rumble. And then, <laughs> as you put it, Darth Taker and Emperor Bearer. <laughs> yes! They look like, like I had to go to Star Wars here. He looks like Darth Vader and Emperor Palpatine. Like, it's crazy. It's I just wrote Darth Taker and Emperor Bearer here coming out, man. Like, it's, and they're running this, you know, they have the dark side, you know, like dark side of the force. I just, it just felt like Star Wars to me here. So, anyway. Absolutely. <laughs> they they uh, meet Mabel in the aisleway. They Undertaker asks Mabel, if you accept the Lord of Darkness as your savior, do you allow the purity of evil to guide you? And Mabel is just standing there, kind of in a trance, and the Acolytes yeah. and Midian beat him up. And that's it for the Royal Rumble. Yep. And now Mabel has been transformed into the fantastically named Viscera. <laughs> yep. Which... The latest member of the... Ministry of Darkness. Which, for those of you who don't know what viscera is, it's a scientific term for your gut, your innards, your inner bowels, the things that spill out when you get cut open. Um, yeah, that's your viscera. So, gross. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Russo. Yeah, thanks a lot, Danny. <laughs> so, um, so one quick, <laughs> I know. Well, one quick thing on the next night of Raw. There's not too much happening, but <laughs> next night of Raw, two ninety six, January twenty fifth, Midian brings. Something out in a jar, which we'll come to find out later on is going to be an eyeball, but he, he has this jar of like formaldehyde with him, and he says, evil's coming again, and he leaves, and the ministry's backstage, and Tager says, tonight it all begins, and the earth will never be the same, which, I mean, my eyes weren't the same for what's going on, so, <laughs> um, and then he just basically says, during a match, he, you, you get a visual of him on his flaming symbol throne thing, and he says that, this is going to be a holy war of epic proportions. And same night, China, China excuse me, <laughs> slipped there. China, <laughs> the corporation. Let's go ahead and edit that one out. The China. China joins the corporation. So Enter at your own risk. Okay. <laughs> All right. Moving on. That was a real t-shirt, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, oh, I know, I know, I know. It was horrifying. Horrifying. Oh. So. So things kind of kick up on February 1st, Raw, uh, episode 297. Undertaker is allegedly in his first matchup since Rock Bottom. He's announced in a six-man tag along with Viscera and Midian taking on what sounds like a really cool matchup against The Brood. Uh, Although Undertaker never actually gets into the ring. And, man... It's it's not very long. They don't do much with it, but God, that would have been so cool to have a Ministry of Darkness and Brood 
feud. That could have been no, awesome. The Undertaker, the old guard, leading his group against these young bucks, Edge and Christian and Gangrel, going up against him. The two, you know, sort of... Uh, dark. The dark, evil forces yeah. going up against each other. The Brood could have been the cool kind of anti-hero baby faces, but unfortunately that's not the direction they decide to go with it. No, not at all. <clears throat> yeah, it's so much like lost opportunity here. Again, this is Monday Night Wars. They're just trying to get through to the next week and make everything happen. So I, I do want to mention that Taker is still his he's coming back with his old music, you know. Yeah. His old music that we're used to, the funeral that uh, funeral music. So but anyway, um Midian's got that Taker symbol like etched in his head and viscera. Again, he's called viscera now tonight. And like you said, um Taker sits back on his throne, um, like Bray Wyatt used to when he would wrestle his matches, like I know you mentioned it uh, in, in your notes here. So, But um, I want to say, I love Viscera here. He wrestles in glasses. He looks like a really fat Morpheus from Matrix. He's got this silver glasses <laughs> like, Fish, like Lawrence Fishburne does. But um, Anyway, basically the, the match breaks down to a period six brawl. Um, Taker and Bear approach the ring. Basically the Acolytes and, and uh, uh, Midian and Viscera basically beat the crap out of the brood and throw Gangrel over the top rope with a noose and more attempted murder here in the Undertaker saga. And I forgot about this. Me too. Because we, we all think about the hell in a cell coming up with the noose. I forgot this even happened. Yeah. Once. They hang Gangrel here and it's, yeah. you know, Gangrel. <laughs> I have seen it done in wrestling, kind of like old Memphis Southern yeah, style world class. Yeah. yeah. They'd toss somebody over the top rope and sort of hang them like that. So, yeah, it's kind of been done, but it's always just, I don't know, I think it's in bad taste. I think it's yeah. just I'm pushing the envelope a little too much to hang somebody like that. But anyway, there you go. It's not the first, WrestleMania is not the first time we see The Undertaker right. <laughs> doing it. And it's not the last time we're going to see the Ministry or the Brood tonight. Because later on in the night, the Acolytes are going to be taking on Al Snow and Road Dog. When three druids come out off of Paul Bear's speed dial and they go beat up Road Dog and then reveal themselves to be Edge, Christian, and Gangrel. So, you know, Golly. kind of conflicted about it because adding the brood into the ministry immediately makes them like the most stacked faction ever. Yeah. But also, God, you do it in one night. You could have drawn out I this know. brood ministry. You could have done that at WrestleMania. Honestly, or at this Valentine's Day Massacre pay-per-view, at least a couple more weeks. Could have had something really cool there. We know, because they're going to come in the Hell in a Cell, spoiler alert, and help. They could That could have been them coming in and helping and joining the ministry right there, you mm-hmm. know? Not having joined here a month and a half earlier. They could Because all they're going to do for the next six weeks is beat up somebody that we're going to mention. Yeah. I can't wait to talk about who we're going to talk about. I don't want to spoil it yet, but... uh We'll get they, they yeah they could have been used so much better. This could have been dragged on, made more compelling TV. But you know, it is what it is. So the next week of Raw, two ninety eight, uh, February thirteenth. So right before, um, no, yeah, Valentine's Day. This is a Saturday night Raw because Raw was preempted because the Westminster Dog Show again in the USA. Um, but this is a really neat Raw because it's the according to Michael Cole here, it's the largest crowd for a Raw, and it's at the Toronto Sky Dome. So. I mean, Toronto was sold out of, um, uh, like, those signs at, at CVS or Repco yeah, or whatever. Like, board. You're not going to find a poster board at Repco that week or CVS or Rite Aid or whatever they have up there. Um, <laughs> Tim Horton's Pharmacy out of, <laughs> out of Toronto. <laughs> they're not going to have that. So uh, there is a sign in 
I mean, every 16 inches, you know, there's a sign oh, yeah. like every everybody's butt has a sign in the air. It's ridiculous. Couldn't see a thing really in the cool. Rain. <laughs> no, couldn't see. So, and too again, bad because you get a match of the year candidate. Oh my goodness, you get Big Vis. No, well, excuse me, he's not Big Vis yet. Viscera wrestling the Godfather, <laughs> <laughs> main event anywhere. So yeah, and Midian's on commentary. Which man, you know what? I could have used a little more Midian on commentary in my life. So he got that eyeball in a jar. Sure. Uh, but they're in the ministry. Okay, here. And Viscera, Midian, Midian comes out with Viscera for this match. No one else in the ministry comes out with him. And they have different entrance music. And this is deep cut, but it sounds like Reach Down from Temple of Dog album. That's uh, those of you born in the 80s or 90s, you know what I'm talking about. Go get yourself Temple of Dog. It's like a nine minute song on there. The beginning of their music, I had to rewind it. I literally thought it was Reach Down by Temple of Dog. So anyway, uh, now I've watched their song on youtube three times now since <laughs> but anyway but where's that because the ministry so i don't um, know anyway. and that's you know here's one of my other problems with all this stuff that we're trying to buy the ministry as this tough cool new force in the world wrestling federation and your two main guys that you're throwing out there are phineas godwin and mabel <laughs> like i don't care what kind of new outfits you put on them I don't care what sort Sweat of awful pants. names you get. They give them terrible new names, too. Yeah. Somehow, you downgraded from Mabel, which is already terrible, and Phineas, yeah. to Midian and Viscera. <laughs> but these guys, I mean, they're losers. And like, right. Not, you can't rehab those guys. And even, you know, we, we think of the Acolytes as awesome now, but at that stage in 1999, Bradshaw was a loser. Farouk was a loser. He hadn't been doing anything in a long time. You know, the Acolytes became something cool, but at that time, sure. Undertaker's got a bunch of jabronis with him yep. in his Ministry of Darkness. It's the Dungeon of Doom, man. It's not it really anything is. better <laughs> than that. And, you know, we crap on WCW a lot, but this was this was on the same level. I Thank you for saying that, because, again, you know, we're both WCW apologists, and I really hate, like I said, history's written by the winners. WWF craps on Dungeon of Doom all the time, and this is right up there, man. You know, like I said, I mean, these guys will go on to become somebody. You know, Edge, Christian. You know, uh, yeah, they were J- fine. JBL. I didn't have any problem with them. What, yeah, what the APA eventually becomes. Um, you know, but yeah, you're right. You know, you got your two big hitmen here, and Midian and Viscera. And Midian's new outfit is a pair of black sweatpants. Yes, and, and, and an a cut off t-shirt. t-shirt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you know, at least. I don't know. At least Viscera's intimidating because he's big. So, but um, in this night too, it's funny because commentary tells us that um, Viscera is going to take on Big Boss Man at the Saint Valentine's Day Massacre, and then when we get to Saint Valentine's Day Massacre, it's Midian <laughs> takes yeah. the fun. So I, I couldn't figure out how or why it changed or, or what was going on there. Basically. Yeah, well, on Heat on Heat twenty nine on February fourteenth, this is Valentine's Day, so Viscera comes out with Midian. Uh, well, Vi- Viscera is out to face Test. Um, and during, did you watch this match? Because Viscera's no. pants fall down. His, <laughs> his pants come down like seven inches, and the crowd just starts like, laughing. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do you make your big heater any less intimidating? Exactly. How does pants fall down? <laughs> you got, I got. Oh. I'm sorry, guys. You got to go watch it. It's incredible. So, um, 
Oh man, he beats <laughs> Bossman comes in and beats up Midian and Viscera, and then commentary says, "Oh, now Midian's going to face Bossman at the pay per view." So they don't even know what they're doing, man. It's so. all just flying by the seat of their pants <laughs> here, as you know. or not, or, or just <laughs> in their pants. <laughs> Well, somehow, I don't know how you move on from that, but at the pay-per-view, yeah, like you said, Midian does represent The Undertaker and the Ministry against the Big Boss Man, and I haven't seen every pay-per-view match, but I can say without question, this is one of the worst pay-per-view matches of all time. I believe it went on for 45 minutes. Um, (laughs) 45 minutes Broadway. The Clash of the Champions. God, man. And we're we're gonna talk about how much we love Big Boss Man here in a little while. Sure. But God bless him, man. This was so so bad. Um, and Boss Man gets the win here, uh, and immediately gets surrounded by the Brood. The lights go out. The Undertaker's music hits, and the Ministry destroys the Big Boss Man and carries him to the back as some sort of sacrifice for the Undertaker. Yeah, where the heck are his like where are his cohorts? No idea. You know. And that's going to be my question a lot of this build. Where the heck is the corporation to help out Boss Man? So, but again, the crowd couldn't give a crap at this point because both of the factions are heels. They're both heels here. And like, how, who are you supposed to cheer for, you know? So I just, I don't know. Like, I know Vince Russo talks about how um, he was disappointed in SummerSlam 98 because Austin and Taker both wanted to be faces going into that match. And he wanted to turn Taker heel, which he did eventually. <clears throat> he says, you know, the face versus face match doesn't work. Well, guess what else doesn't work? A heel versus heel match. Exactly. Unless it's one of those Vader and Austin when Austin was a heel and they just beat the crap out of each other. You yes. know, like we've talked about those tough man matches. Those work. But this, there's no heat on anybody. There's no, you know, I mean, Taker gets popped still because he's Taker. The fans respect who he is and his presence. But, you know, there's no heat here for anybody. And that's going to play into the actual pay-per-view match we're going to get to. So That's the biggest problem with all of this build-up. And we're going to continue on with it on this road to WrestleMania here. But yes, you've got the corporation represented by Boss Man, the big evil corporation who's been the big evil force for the past six months against the Ministry of Darkness, who is the new big evil faction. And there's no reason to cheer for anybody here. It's just, it's so heatless. Um, Yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll talk about it some more as we continue on. It's crazy. And again, this this night, I want to mention one thing about this night. This is when, you know, Paul White, the big show, debuts in the World Wrestling Federation. and The big I, nasty. Help me out. The big nasty, as they call them. <laughs> they tried to get that over, man. Thank God they went with big show. Can you imagine? <laughs> well, it's the big nasty. <laughs> Awful. <laughs> well, it's a big nasty show tonight. <laughs> out of control. <laughs> but, um, dude, can you help me figure out, though, like he's kind of a big deal coming over because... He's the first big-name WCW guy to kind of defect, isn't he? To, like, most of the time, it was guys going down south. I mean, I can think – I mean, Mark I Merrill I can't think of up. any other like, huge ones besides a uh, real you know, man's like, man, Steven Regal. <laughs> right, but he, that, yeah, he wasn't a big name, you know? And then, like, yeah. Merrill wasn't that big a name. But, like, the Giants, a former WCW champion, you know? So Absolutely. This is the first, like, big, you know, hotshot guy coming from the south down up to, to New York here, so – I don't know. Kind of cool. We'll see what happens with him. We'll keep him you in will. your rearview mirror as we, uh, or in your, I guess, in your crosshairs. We're going to get to him and, and take her and, and their, um, I guess, unit they're going to make up together in a couple months here. So I enjoyed that. But anyway, man, this show, this this is probably one of the worst shows of all pay per views of all time. 
honestly. I mean, the main event. Really it's, cool. it's a one match. Yeah. yeah, it's a one match show. That's pretty much it. So, oh man, something got released about this time too in the World Wrestling Federation. Um, you can pick it up at your local Sam Goody. So. Oh, and, and I did. I, you and I both did. Uh, WWF yes. The Music Volume 3. Dude, we wore that CD out, yes. man. Yes. That's yes, we got did. The, uh, it's got The Undertaker's theme. He was using it on SummerSlam. Uh, it's got, I think it has DX on there. Pretty sure. Ken Shamrock. Mm-hmm. New Age X-Pac. Outlaws. X-Pac. Dude, man. Awesome. All that, time, that's a top all time album. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I want it on vinyl. You get on vinyl. Yes. What would the B sides would be? <laughs> uh, probably uh, Big Boss Midian. Man. Bi- Midian. Reach, reach, oh, reach down by Midian. <laughs> Simple dog cover. So, well, I had uh, that CD, but I did not see this episode of Raw coming up back in the day on February fifteenth, nineteen ninety nine. This one is—I uh, don't know if it holds a special place in my heart, but I do remember this one quite vividly because it was the night after St. Valentine's Day Massacre. The WWF was hot as ever, so it was a big deal to watch Raw and Nitro every week and for us to come in the next Monday and talk about it or even talk about it on the phone that night, something like that. But until this build-up, I had never seen this episode of Raw because I remember my parents putting me on a one-week suspension from watching wrestling (laughs) because they were going to watch it instead. And they were debating on whether or not... Pro wrestling had gotten too raunchy and crude and lewd because they saw huh. some sort of news special talking about DX and The Godfather and Val Venus and all that Sable. nasty yeah. stuff. Yeah, and they were yeah. thinking, I don't know if our 13-year-old should be watching this sort of stuff. And, oh, my gosh, it was so excruciating. I've been watching <laughs> Monday Night Raw every, every week for the past seven, six, seven years and to not yeah. be able to watch it when so much stuff was going on it was killing me oh so, absolutely i can't yeah. imagine so like i said it made me uncomfortable to watch i didn't want, i didn't want, didn't want my parents to go there and take me off of it you know so i'd always flip over to nitro if they came in the room just because yeah. i knew it was a little healthier so healthier for my sanity but um did your parents watch this show they, they did this yeah and i don't know oh, why they let me Lord. continue watching <laughs> yeah. i don't know i don't know how they made up their mind i it was it's weird because my dad was particularly upset with it because my mom was definitely the more conservative one. Like me and my dad would watch South yeah. Park together. Like at this time, <laughs> I don't know why he had such a problem with wrestling, but somehow they were just like, oh, "Screw it, whatever, <laughs> just watch yeah. it, <laughs> do whatever you want." So, <laughs> thank well, goodness you that's why a, we're still here. <laughs> you had a small, small suspension from wrestling later on in 1999 and didn't get to go with me to a nitro. Oh, that's true. Unfortunately, that was, we'll we'll get to that in November. Because so. of my grades, I guess. <laughs> Or something. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> we'll get to that in November, so I'm sure I'll bring it up when we get there. So, <laughs> uh, well, anyway, tell us well, what man, was happening. Let me tell you what watching. you missed, yeah. bro. I'll tell you. So, Taker comes out and the ministry. They come out to the ring for a promo, and in my notes, I'm, I'm sitting here writing that Paul Bear is supremely underused. And as I write that in my notes, he gets on the microphone for the first time here, and he says, um, basically, he just introduces Taker, you know. And so we get here, here, and Undertaker tells McMahon says, you know, McMahon, in time, your World Wrestling Federation will belong to me. One by one, they all will fall to my ministry. So now, you know, he's we're entering into the actual feud between the ministry and the corporation. It kind of started as an accident on heat or whatever the other, the other week. But now we're actually getting some stakes here. What's the story? There's going to be a storyline. So he says that boss man was let go last night, but next time he won't be so lucky. And then he says he took out the heart of the corporation. Yeah. And uh, and heart and soul. So, I mean, I guess technically 
boss man, when you remember when he returned last fall, I guess he is the heart and soul of the corporation. Although I would say, I don't know, Vince or the Stooges would be, but um, <laughs> maybe the anyway, Rock. maybe I don't know. Yeah, The Rock, the, the World, World Wrestling Champion. Champion. So anyway, but he basically says, Each soul that we take, we take in the name of a far greater power than even myself. And in that power's name, in its grandest vision, in its grandest dream, and in my ministry's destiny, I will own the World Wrestling Federation. So here we get that mention of the greater power, which um, will come into play months months from now. So um, then Bossman's like, Bossman comes out, he's like, heck, I'll take on you and Two of your you know, goonies and a six-man tag again. So, Bossman doesn't care, man. So, nah, man, but again, going for it. Yeah, but this match, dude, it's Bossman, Tess, and Shamrock, which I can get down with. It's a pretty motley crew there. But they they face the acolytes and Midian again. Why is Midian? How about this gigantic dude called Viscera, who's a former King of the Ring? Like, why not? Why is Midian in there with the acolytes? Put yeah. Viscera in there, you know? So I don't understand. They have a big old brawl and. Uh, it leads to the Undertaker's music hitting, him and Bear coming out, and then the Brood and Viscera, I guess he was busy taking care of business with old Shane O'Mac. <laughs> they carry yeah. him out and present him to the Undertaker. So we see the Undertaker serious here. He's, de- he's going after Vince. He's coming after the corporation. He says, um, I should carve your heart out right here to Shane McMahon, but I don't think your father would really care about it. But I do want you to yeah. pass a message on to him. And he takes out this letter, gives it to Shane McMahon, tells him to run along and, and give it to his dad and tell him it's from the Lord of Darkness. Yep. So, I mean, I think Vince is going to understand when he watches the tape back. I mean, he's probably watching a monitor <laughs> backstage. So it's like, I think he'll be all right. But yeah, Taker's got this manila envelope, basically, and he's got something in it. And so give it to your dad and... Um, yeah, that's pretty much all the Taker business. I do want to mention the main event here is the first ever ladder match on Raw. So mm. pretty cool pretty cool deal yeah. there. So and that's gonna play into something I want to mention as we get into the next week too. So um just these main events just going going for it. Well you know, yeah, because getting the, the ratings, week, trying to get the ratings here. So the next week it's gonna be an inferno match on Raw. Uh, exactly. <laughs> which we learned about on Heat. Yeah. Uh, just real quick, Vince McMahon cuts a promo on Heat, basically saying He's not going to tell us what was in that letter. He read it. Yeah. He tells the Undertaker, "Don't go there, boy." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't go there. Uh, he says, uh, uh-uh. "His word of the month or word of the day is miscreant." Mm. Undertaker, you're a vile miscreant subhuman. But let me tell you this: you, you back off there. <laughs> subhuman. Oh man. Oh, word so, of the day calendar again. To uh, threaten oh, him, so he puts Undertaker in an Inferno match with Corporate Kane. It's another thing we hadn't quite mentioned, really, in these past few months, is that Kane has joined up and is being used by the corporation during this time. <clears throat> yeah, I mentioned he joined, but yeah, he hasn't really done as much. He's been feuding kind of with DX and stuff. So, oh, just a little side note here. It has nothing to do. It's not even in my notes. I forgot how freaking over X-Pac was in this whole Dude, era. Absolutely. This guy is... These guys are over and, like... He's he's so much better as a babyface because he can bump and feed for these guys like these big guys like take like Kane and and Test and Bossman. So like, he's such a good. I mean, 
the more time goes on, the more I like X Pac and his and his work. So I'm again, just, sorry, had to just man. say that. I'm with yeah. you all the he, way. In 2001, we've already mentioned we hated him. We had the X Pac heat, go away heat. We hated X Factor, but man, he's on fire right here in '99. Man, it's just awesome stuff. <laughs> Speaking of on fire, I mean, yeah, <laughs> you bring the puns, and Vince McMahon brings them on Raw the next <laughs> night, dude. He cuts this ridiculous promo saying tonight we're gonna have a roast and not a comedic roast a roast of human flesh <laughs> so grab your marshmallows <laughs> oh man he is this is a special Ross raw 300 man february 22nd That's yeah right. he's uh he's all over the puns here we're gonna get more puns as the night goes on from commentary it's hard to take this match seriously when everybody's kind of making fun of it which is my problem with commentary nowadays and that you was know, your problem from everybody. the first Inferno match, too. Yeah, did the same exactly. Thing. Yeah, so it's just ridiculous. But um, So, again, this is going to be the first Inferno match in Raw history. So last week was the first ladder match. This is the first Inferno match. So these main events are pulling out all the stops to get these ratings. So, you know, kudos to them. So um, the Brood here are going to go on here to defeat the latest folks that follow Big Show. Again, I mentioned now he was a... Uh, you know, a, a number one draft pick, but now we got to get the public enemy. So this is who I was alluding to earlier. Who this is who the brood's going to feud with from now until Mania, basically, is the public enemy. What did you think about Public Enemy in 1999? I will tell you exactly what I thought of them. I loved them in WCW. I loved too, throwing my hands back and forth. I loved them bringing the table out. I yes. loved all of it. When they went up north, I hated all this. This oh was so bad. God. It's awful. It's amazing what a difference the company makes for them. You know. I, one of my biggest pops just watching Nitro as a kid was when they Public Enemy won the tag team titles for like one yes. week. That, those yes. were the most excited I ever was watching yes. wrestling. But you're exactly right, man. They are the biggest jokes for these yeah. one month in WWF. Yeah. It sucks. I remember, man. And I remember both, them putting both dead. It just it, it sucks. Yeah, it does suck, man. So. I remember on WCW then putting Disco through a table, and I just I popped huge for that. I don't remember if that was at this point or when they went back later. I don't know, but I just remember I loved them in, in WCW, but for some reason up here they were trash. Which is the same thing. I mean, we said the same thing about Vader, kind of too. You know, his his run yeah, didn't really he didn't get that big to that run. Level. You know, yeah, not yeah. Oh, it's not as bad as theirs. They don't they didn't last but for a cup of coffee here. But um, anyway, this match we get a bloodbath on them. Uh, which again, I always appreciate the the bloodbath. But because they because the brood lost by DQ, uh, the ministry beats them up. You know, as kind of a form of discipline here. So we got this, uh, you know, um, I don't know what you want to call it, full metal jacket style hazing <laughs> here, uh, which Bradshaw's comfortable with back in this day. <laughs> oh, sure, <laughs> backstage. We're gonna talk about that in a minute. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, Undertaker cuts another ridiculous promo saying you know, he's not afraid of an Inferno match, that there are some flames that will never be extinguished, and the Lord of Darkness is one of them, and telling Vince Man again that he, that the Undertaker is his worst nightmare, and he's going to give him a little surprise tonight. Oh, yeah. I remember this very, very vividly, what's going to happen here. So um, Vince comes out later and basically restates everything we've already gone over and says that you don't, no one does this to Vince McMahon and shows the envelope and puts over that the Inferno match. And then he comes on commentary, you know, which again, I always appreciate Vince yes. on commentary here. You know, he's, he's not the old, what a maneuver Vince, but he's, he's in character here on commentary. But he's, this is Taker's actual first in-ring match since rock bottom in your house so you know he had that six man he was 
on his throne for a few weeks ago, but now it's his first in-ring match. So um, I appreciate that he got some time to heal up, I think. So do all this stuff. Missing man on commentary. He is uh, he's refusing to talk about what was in the envelope. He, that's right. all Cole and King are asking him about. <laughs> Vince, I, I don't know if he's ever cooked <laughs> french fries before because he says, <laughs> with the Inferno match, with these flames rising up, and again, the goal of an Inferno match is to, turn, is to stick someone's body parts into the fire. He says, Let's just sit back and enjoy this because you're going to see The Undertaker engulfed in flames. You're going to see The Undertaker turn into a human french fry tonight. <laughs> I believe french fries usually put them in oil or something yes. like that. I, I, I don't stick them. a potato into the flames to <laughs> <laughs> cook a french fry. <laughs> I tell you, a hot potato. You don't get a french fry that way, yeah. Now, if we had like a uh, deep fryer match and you had to throw your opponent in that's something you'd see in memphis probably yeah. <laughs> or deep south wrestling. oh absolutely deep, deep fryer match but yeah you know vince has never cooked he never has somebody never. waiting on him well we're gonna see his house come up here soon so he's got got some maids and and chefs you know chef boyardee or, or boyardee <laughs> as we're gonna see some mankind commercials for that coming up too i love those commercials. those are great um but um i do want to say here that um it's weird because, yeah, Kane Taker, they're both heels. They're both the monster heel of their faction, right? Who the heck am I supposed to be rooting for? No, I cared I about this when there was a story between the two brothers. You know, we got Thor and Loki, like we mentioned. But here, there's no – all that luster is worn off, you know? Um, and at this point, it, what does any of this have to do with WrestleMania? We're like <laughs> exactly. three weeks away from WrestleMania and yeah. – well, we don't know yet that Undertaker is going to be fighting Big Boss Lee, right? But Vince should be. This should all. This should be focused on Austin and Rock. Why are yep. we doing? And then we get into soap opera stuff here, as the match ends. Paul Bearer brings out this looks like a hat box, this black box, and gives it to Vince. Something from a Tim Burton movie. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Vince pulls out a teddy bear. Yep. Yep. Pulls out a teddy bear. Looks at it, gets all serious, Sally, and completely changes his character. And then, like I said, this match, Kane loses because his foot gets caught on fire. Who cares? Because it's an afterthought. Because yeah. at this point, Taker goes up to Vince, takes the teddy bear away from him, and lights it on fire as Vince begs on his knees in front of him and is looking like a wussy here. And we go off of the air with a visual of a teddy bear on fire. And I just wrote in my notes that this is not the Hogan Must Pose era anymore. Yeah, no, certainly Those not. of you who listen to Pritchard's podcast, so um, not the Hogan Must Pose. One thing I did want to mention earlier on commentary, Cole says that Taker answers to a higher power, and Vince goes, yeah, well, tonight he answers to me, So, which is kind of funny, uh, knowing where this is going to go. Yeah. I don't think they had any idea where it was headed, but it's funny to hear that. I just noted that. But yeah, we got a flaming teddy bear. Is your Monday Night Raw's going off the air? Are you kidding me? They're trying to do this big deep thing trying to be like citizen kane or something and what is this what does this teddy bear mean what does it mean to vince man? yeah that's what they're going for but come yeah. on they cannot pull it off as awesome as incredible performers as vince man undertaker paul bear all are they just cannot pull this off what they're going for here and you know they don't ever explain it but i guess we're supposed to infer that that teddy bear belongs to stephanie who right. we're going to learn 
is the target of the Undertaker's assaults here in the next few weeks. So that episode of Raw ended with a visual of a teddy bear, and the next Sunday on Heat, we don't get any visuals, actually. Or you didn't back in the day. Uh, for some reason, the atmospheric conditions, according to commentary, you only got the audio of this episode of Heat. And I actually remember watching it that week and only being able to hear it. And I was really bummed because too, uh, too much got a big win on this episode of Heat Ooh. against the freaking Legion of Doom. And I could only hear it. I couldn't see it. But uh, thankfully, you know, it's been restored due to the WWE Network, which is pretty neat. Because uh, we also get to see an Undertaker match, quote unquote, about 20 seconds long. Yeah. It was very unique because you got Kevin Kelly and Terry Taylor. I can't wait to talk about him in a few minutes, too. What a turd. Anyway, they're narrating <laughs> what's happening. But you can't, like, the audio on the network is the audio from the show where they, where they know you can't see it. But the visual, what you see is... What it was actually recorded, so it's really neat to see. It is, but um, it's really cool. But yeah, this match we got Undertaker versus Kurgan. So, Kurgan, Kurgan from the audience. So again, let's rewind the tape back to 1992, 93, 94, 95. This match would have felt right at home here on Talking Taker. Oh, you know, for we got sure. this big guy, but here, I mean, Ministry stays on the stage. Taker comes out and annihilates Kurgan. Kurgan is a seven foot jobber here. Taker chokeslams him and puts his foot on his face and <laughs> pins him. He doesn't even have the decency to like actually cover his shoulders to the ground or anything. He puts his foot on his face, and the ministry comes out and just demolishes the, the oddities. And apparently Vince wasn't there that night, so um, Taker says, Use this carnage to, as a reminder that on Raw I have something for you, and I own your, your mind, body, and soul. So... Bro, I got no idea what to say about Kurgan getting squashed here. Yeah, so. you're exactly right. He, in a different time and place, he could have been a monster of the month for Undertaker, for Hulk Hogan, even. But yeah, yeah. in 1999, oh, yeah. he's a joke. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. There you go. So moving on from Kurgan, we'll never talk about him again. <laughs> Hopefully, fingers crossed. The next night on Raw on March 30th. Uh, we get more build to, again, to the Undertaker and Vince McMahon feud. Uh, very little build to any of this is to Undertaker and Big Boss Man. It is all about right. Undertaker versus Vince McMahon. Big Boss Man is just the proxy for it. But Vince McMahon comes out. Yeah. He's with the corporation. He says, television history was made last week. <laughs> footage is going to be so rare. It's going to be placed in the TV and radio museum because it was a rare moment when Vincent Kennedy McMahon showed weakness. All right, hang on. This is the same guy that peed his pants in the middle of the ring on Monday Night Raw. So he is a heel. I think. Yeah. Oh yeah, he, he, he lies. Is, but he does lie. Oh, so he reminded us last fall. He does not lie, as you all know. I don't lie. <laughs> but yeah, it was. Uh, I, I do like his arrogance here and what he was saying. It was really, really, really funny for his character. So, but then he just rambles on and on and on, and finally gets to the point that he has a surprise for Taker tonight. Now, guys, listening. Do not get excited for this surprise. It is not as cool as a flaming teddy bear. If you thought that was lame, <laughs> what Vince has in store is even stupider, if that's even a word. So, Well, it sounds cool because oh, he's going to have... But Vince. he does get down to some business here, firing Kane. Yes, so Kane right. is fired as punishment for not doing the job last week and not uh, burning The Undertaker alive or murdering him last <laughs> week. But, French Friday. <laughs> and the orderlies come out to escort Kane away, but China ends up joining Kane and, and beating up the orderlies and sending them away. 
eventually Mankind comes out and Vince gets an idea to put Mankind in a match with The Undertaker because Mankind has more victories over The Undertaker than anyone. And Vince also even notes that this is the same arena that Mankind defeated The Undertaker in the Boiler Room Brawl. Yeah. So I really appreciate that attention oh. to the, the details and the history in the past. Absolutely. I, me too. Because I honestly probably wouldn't have remembered that it was the same arena, even though we've only been looking at Undertaker matches. So good for them for remembering that. So uh, Vince also said earlier <laughs> that he does have the capacity to love, but none of you in the crowd would know that because none of Amoebas don't feel very much. So I'm going to go with Amoeba was his word of the day. That day. <laughs> it's weird to see Big Show standing in the ring and then he Vince McMahon say Amoeba and see Big Show try to react like, hmm, yeah, oh, yeah. It's also weird to see Big Show in this giant FUBU jersey and Jinko <laughs> jeans, too. Hey, those were the times, though. So. What a loser. Yeah, I know. He <laughs> looks like he's the bassist in corn or something. <laughs> Monkey? That was the bassist name, Monkey. Okay. <laughs> oh, why do I know that? I don't know. Oh, man. So, yeah, so, yeah, Mankind's going to take on Taker, and then Taker's music hits, and we get another voiceover. Dude, there's so many voiceovers here. I lost count. But Me basically, too. he says that, I told you what it is I'm going to take, and then he laughs like like an evil villain. He's just like, <laughs> I was like, wow, we have taken it off into Bond villain mode here. <laughs> He does so, have a good evil laugh, though. You gotta admit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm not making fun. It's just like this whole story is just, man, it's so bizarre. So, again, these guys are both factions are heels. They um, are. And Vince officially makes, it just kind of casually mentions on commentary during the main event <laughs> that he's got a few surprises for The Undertaker, like maybe an, a Hell in a Cell match against Big Boss Man at WrestleMania. Hey, just, okay, go. then. Just throwing another random match announcement out there. No big challenge. Just tossing it out nope. on commentary. Uh, Mankind and Undertaker have a little uh, five-minute TV match, which Mankind ends up winning by countout because Undertaker turns his attention to Vince and starts assaulting him instead. Yeah, no, I will say, man, when he when he hits Vince, the crowd does pop. Because, again, anytime sure. Vince gets hit, you're going to pop for that, no matter who's hitting him, you know? So he goes to take the tabletop off and chokeslam Vince on it, but Bossman comes out and hits him in the leg with a nightstick and then hits him repeatedly, and Bossman and Vince escape to the crowd as the ministry pursues him, and then Taker's ticked off, so he just chokeslams Mankind for good old time's sake. <laughs> and we see later on Bossman and Vince leaving in a black limo. Um, so I, in my notes, was like, what the heck was a surprise? No idea. Like, the the nightstick to the knee that was your surprise that was it you're gonna get hit in the knee with a nightstick was this Nancy Kerrigan like Kerry's drugstore <laughs> I don't understand so man Vince is off his game no doubt about it well it's cause it's cause he's feuding with everyone exactly you know, like, I mean Russo and Ferrara are writing and stuff but Vince is being pulled in 140 different directions he's feuding with Austin he's trying to keep the corporation sane because they're having infighting because The Rock is one that can't can he trust Big Show, can he trust, you know, Shane's feuding with X-Pac, and so Vince has got stuff going on there with DX, you know, Kane's going to start feuding with Triple H, China's in and out of the corporation, is she, is she, Kane is, there's so much going on to keep track of, it's like, I mean, I think Vince is actually off his game a little bit, like, For in sure. his mind, so. It's too much, it's too much, there's something we've talked about before, it's cool when you've got a few guys that kind of intermingle and have 
a couple different feuds going on, but it's just way too much to keep track of and too much going on and too much to figure out who to cheer for, who not to cheer for. Yeah. I guess, like you've talked about with Russo before, in a way it all logically pieces together and people are reacting as if they might as their character react. would. Yeah. Yes, but sometimes I don't want that. Sometimes I don't want exactly. logic. Sometimes I just want simplicity. Good guy, bad guy. Yeah. Sometimes that's all you need. Exactly. Oh. So, but we've you know we've we've been opening this Undertaker book for fifty five episodes now, and we're just definitely taking into a deep dark chapter here as we as we're going on. You know, the first couple volumes are done, and he's in a new dark phase, and it's just getting nuts, man. And so I want to go here on. Um, Heat episode thirty two on March seventh, ninety nine, the acolytes destroy public enemy. Who got a bloodbath last week on Heat, by the way, I forgot to mention. Um yeah, talk and about, they've just appeared we've talked about huh? well, we've talked about attempted murders on this show many times. This was one of them. <laughs> the, the acolytes <laughs> attempted to murder a public enemy on live television and yeah. dang near succeeded. This is an infamous man. an infamous match. Very Brutal. famous for the wrong reasons. Yeah. You want to see um Strong, uh, Japanese strong style. You watch this match. You Southern go to the network style. and watch. Yeah, this is Florida, Texas, Georgia strong style right here. These guys absolutely destroy them, taking out their literally real frustrations on the public enemy in the middle of the ring. So they're just the ministry's whipping boys at this point. And also, as we find out that next Sunday night, it's going to be sci-fi heat on the USA Network, and the Undertaker is going to host an episode of Farscape, and he's going to guest star on an episode of the Poltergeist TV series, which I tried really hard to find on YouTube. Like you said with the Tattoo Magazine, there are some yeah. clips on YouTube, but it doesn't have any dialogue. It has like some weird uh, okay. song, and it's like a montage of clips. It doesn't well, have the actual dialogue, but if anyone can dig that up, I'd love to see yeah. that footage. We'd love to see that. It may be buried alive for, you know, because it sucks <laughs> so bad. Who knows, man? Yeah, for reasons we all know. So, yeah, that's going to lead us in. We're getting closer to Mania, guys. Just buckle up. We're on that final stretch here. We got Raw 302, uh, March 8, um, The ministry comes out. Uh, to the, Actually, they go into the jobber locker room, and they're like, hey, have you seen Boss Man? Well, if you do, give him this message. And they just beat the crap out of these guys. So, I guess <laughs> Boss Man's a jobber wrangler, too? I don't know, man. So, um. And then we get this game plan from the ministry tonight. Taker's ordering the acolytes. Okay, you guys, you're watching the parking lot. Vistro taking the backstage with Midian and the Brood. I want you to just go out front, which I don't know what that means, out front. So anyway, um, and he and Bear go walk off somewhere else. So we don't know what's going to happen there. But he gives this little pep talk, you know, this dark, deep, dark pep talk backstage. And later on, the New Age Outlaws are taking on Al Snow and Hardcore Holly. When the ministry comes and attacks them, Viscera relives his King of the Ring 1995 <laughs> glory and just hands out splashes like they're going out of style to everybody. Yes. Uh, and B- Big Boss Man says, or excuse me, Undertaker says, Boss Man, before this night is over, you will come face to face with your maker and the Lord of Darkness. So continuing that build up in there that we're going to see throughout the night. Um, and I, I just want to say, uh, that's building up towards WrestleMania. And, you know, it's a great thing on uh, these few weeks of WrestleMania that we're spending time every week building up a feud between JR and Michael Cole on the road to WrestleMania. Good yeah. Lord, man. <laughs> Give I me forgot a about this. Yeah, because JR is kind of back ish now. And he's I, is he supposed to be a heel, I think. But the but crowd, the crowd still loves, loves him. The, yeah. Yes. So it's hard to turn him heel. You know, but yeah, they're feuding. It doesn't lead to anything, basically. 
Um, well, it I leads mean, to on J- this night well, Terry Taylor replacing Jim Ross on commentary, the Red Rooster, and yeah. we're gonna we've crapped on Michael Cole. We're gonna continue to crap on Michael Cole, but Michael Cole sounded like Gordon Soley compared to Terry Taylor yep. on this episode of Raw. Yep. Oh, yeah, I have, a, I have a comment. Dude. I wanna. I have a comment on some sheer stupidity from Terry Taylor coming up later on this night, so it's awful. Anyway, now, in probably the best <laughs> thing that I've seen in this entire build-up, we got Vince McMahon backstage telling Patterson and Briscoe he wants them to keep an eye on the ministry tonight. And, and they're like, well, which one? It's like, all of them, like all nine of them. So um, they've got flashlights, and they're going to try to find them in the backstage area, and they're wearing these black, like, druid cloaks, you know? They got the <laughs> Undercover. Cloaks over there. <laughs> yeah, and they got these, like uh, – you know, coal miner, like uh, the headlamps on. And uh, throughout a series of vignettes, we got Briscoe. He's, he's, he's like, well, I'm kind of worried about, you know, a lot of these arenas like this got mixed or back, man, they got big rats backstage. <laughs> I just love that. And, uh, and then later on, Briscoe's like, we need to kick this door in right here. And uh, Pat goes, are you smoking that stuff again? He goes, no, you know my qualifications. I'm an All-American in Oklahoma. <laughs> it just, it's like they're having an actual conversation on TV. Oh, so yeah. they finally do kick Hilarious, the door in. Man. Who would have ever yeah. thought? I know. So they kick this door in, his godfather and his lady into the night, and he pushes them out and punches them. And I mean, I just wrote here, man, I could have watched these two search for the ministry for a half hour straight. It was just gold. It was amazing. It I was loved every second of it. So, absolutely fantastic. <laughs> uh, and then the Undertaker ends up uh, attacking his rival. I didn't realize it was one of his biggest rivals, but he <laughs> continues to attack the Godfather over and over Charles. again. Yeah, Charles. Uh, and he sends the Ministry to attack him and Steve Blackman and draws. And yeah. I don't know if there's a more 1999 sentence than that. The Undertaker, the <laughs> no. Ministry of Darkness, attack the Godfather, Steve Blackman, and draws. Uh, I don't think so. So that's that's pretty much 1999 right there. So it's it's pretty cool. But it is really neat. I do like the way they attack. Um, we're gonna get this several times throughout the night. So because um, they've already done the the nation or excuse me the the New Age Outlaws earlier, and then this is the second time. And so it's kind of cool because the lights go out, and then Taker comes out, and as he raises the lights, the ministry is just kind of all there, and they just kind of ambush him. So I do kind of like the way that they stage that and produce that. So. Um, but yeah, Vicious goes on his King of the Ring streak again. He's laying out big splashes to everyone. And Taker basically says, how many innocent people have to get hurt before Boss Man's going to come out of hiding? He says, one way or another, Boss Man, there will be a sacrifice. And then, here's the moment I want to get to. In a moment of absolute stupidity, Terry Taylor, the Red Rooster, says that he can't believe that Taker would attack all these wrestlers that aren't even associated with a big Boss Man just to get what he wants. Pay attention, you moron! This is all Kane and Taker do for the last two years. They come out and they attack whoever the crap they want to to get people to, to, to answer them. Where have you been? How many times have we seen that? I know. It's like a joke at this point. Oh, I was so mad at Terry. I got legit mad at him when I heard that the other well, night. So. He clearly <laughs> failed his tryout because he's never going to be the voice of Monday Night Raw again. I don't know if this was a tryout or what, but yeah, we we'll never hear from him again, thank God, uh, at least in this role. Um, anyway, the, this all is leading up to Boss Man meeting up with Undertaker in the parking lot to fight him. But surprise, surprise, another Star Wars reference. It's a trap. And the, uh, the Ministry attacks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ministry attacks Boss Man. Uh, we come back from commercial and oh, we get another sacrifice on the Undertaker's symbol as he sacrifices slash crucifies 
boss man on the symbol once again it's a symbol symbolization uh, yeah a symbolization <laughs> here once again where's the corporation in all this they're letting right. this happen to boss man for 15 minutes undertaker cuts a promo on really cutting a promo on mcmahon saying right. one by one the corporation will fall until there is only one and then she too will be mine once again no one on commentary and Undertaker, they never mention Stephanie by name in any of this. Right. We don't know if he's talking about Stephanie or Linda, Linda. maybe, or who knows? Some, har- Could- some Rock and Robin? <laughs> <laughs> Whomever. Mike McGurk? Uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> oh! Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, oh. that is Undertaker's M.O. is coming after yep. she, whoever this is. And the king sums it up and says, this is awful. retweet that (laughs) oh man he's got it the commentary is awful this is awful you got boss man up on the sacrificial you know xt uh symbol and he actually breaks the ropes and then does something i didn't think he was gonna do he jumps off the the symbol and finally he's getting his butt handed to him the corporation finally comes out makes a save they have this melee um, boss man gets taken to the back by them and Taker starts punching Pittsburgh's finest, you know, the men in blue here. Um, and then he leans over to Bear and orders him to, he says something to him. Paul Bear pulls out his Nokia that you used to play Snake on, and he, I don't know if he hit speed dial one to call the Druids or speed dial two to call the orderlies or who he calls, but he calls somebody. We never find then, out, but I popped so huge. Yeah. He actually pulled out his cell phone. He called somebody yeah. on speed dial. So I know. <laughs> oh, if only he knew what we were doing now. <laughs> great callback. Yeah. So then Taker like does his hands down and signals for the, and the symbol lights on fire. And Paul Bears made this mystery phone call and Taker leaves his wrist out and gets taken away in handcuffs. And he's kind of smiling this whole time, and the ministry's letting it all play out. King and Cole on commentary are speculating that this was all a trap set by the corporation to send the Undertaker to jail, that this was all an elaborate plan. And I guess that's what it all was, very convoluted and played out here as Vince gloats at the police car backstage and cuts a promo on the Undertaker for threatening his family. And Undertaker sitting in the back of a police car and smiling and rolling his eyes in the back of his head. He doesn't mind it. He's okay with it. And that's, you know, that's the end of it for this night. But just to me, this is when I was really getting fed up with watching (laughs) this. I wrote in all caps, I hate all of this so much. Uh, It's there's no one to cheer for here. And, and I think you said it here on, in your notes as well for the same episode. Uh, to me, you know, to throw your comic book references in there, it's like Captain America Civil War where you had two sides yeah. of the Avengers going against each other. Except here, it'd be like Captain America Civil War except you hated everyone in it. <laughs> like, exactly. There's no one to cheer for. It's not cool to see these people. Yeah split off against each other. It's more like uh, Batman versus Superman. Like, I didn't want to cheer for either one of those guys in that movie, and I didn't like that movie. So it's more like that, but... uh. Yeah, it's just... Man, it's too many heels. Everyone's feuding with everyone. It's too much mixing of the waters. Sometimes it's better than less is more. Um, Sometimes less is more. Sometimes more is more, and that's one of Russo's good things he's really good at. But here, less would have been a lot more here, you know? Less would have been great. So... 
And then the ministry's got this public enemy feud going on still, too. It's just, it's crazy, man. So, yeah, it's, it is a chore to get through, man. So, um, the next week on here, six days later, Vince basically just brags about having Taker arrested. And guess what the brood take out again? The public enemy. <laughs> again. Man, so. I would have left if I were them, too. I think they got like fired, Kevin, but it's like Kevin Owens and Braun Strowman. They just got, they had no, like, they got no, never, never got a chance to shine. You know, it's like Kevin Owens got squashed by Strowman for two months straight. Jeez, so. <laughs> well, the feud continues here as Shane McMahon has a match uh, taking on the OLD, Gerald Briscoe oh. and Pat Patterson in Legion of Doom costumes. Again, they're just outstanding here in their role. <laughs> But as Vince and Shane are celebrating Shane's big victory in his tune-up match for X-Pac at WrestleMania, we see the McMansion on the Titantron. Vince and Mm -hmm. Shane's family home in Greenwich there. We just see a picture of it, and we hear a voice, the Undertaker's voice. Voice over again. Again. (laughs) Mr. McMahon, do you know where I am? No one's home yet, but when she does come home, I'll be waiting. And then we get the ministry lurking across the lawn and peeking in the windows. Well, almost all the ministry. There's somebody left mm. behind. But, yeah, man, I got to say, Edge is, like, extra creepy here. Like, he's, like, but he's doing a good job for what he's doing. But, like, I don't know, Christian seems like he's not really into it, but Edge is all over it, man. So Shades um, of the rated R superstar. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and then, so throughout the night, we're going to see Vince on the phone with security saying, have you seen anybody on the premises? Later on, he's on the phone with the cops, and he tells them, he's like, what? It's not a publicity stunt. You're watching me on TV right now? So he says the cops think because he's on TV, it's a a publicity stunt, but he assures them it's not. Um, Tells them to go there because his guards wouldn't go there because they're afraid. Um, And normally, we'd be having some sort of sympathy here for Vince McMahon. But it's Vince McMahon. Like, (laughs) you can't have sympathy He's been the most evil guy, and all of a sudden, yep. we're supposed to feel bad for him. But we don't. Yep. Like I don't. No. I don't. But I don't want Taker to abduct she either, whoever exactly. she is. You know? so, now we're teasing he's going to abduct and rape either Stephanie somebody. or Linda. Like, yeah. Ah, it's it's, all it's crazy. It's, but a, a little bright spot here. Shane's like, well, you got you want to call the posse? <laughs> Which we've been getting these vignettes every week about the Mean Street Posse. He's like, you mean you only call the posse? So I do love that. Yeah, so, Shane's great. Um, and then Taker calls on the phone. The phone rings and it's Taker. And uh, he says, it's almost 10 o'clock. Do you know where your family is? Which, I mean, it just sounds like something out of Scream to me. You know? Exactly. Um, uh, this uh, so, next match made me want to scream. It's uh, the rematch we were all waiting for. Midian and Big Boss Man in a hard times cage match. And it doesn't seem to make any difference between a regular cage match or a hard times cage match. But they have one. Well, speaking of hard times, somebody in production had a hard time because they misspelled Midian's name. It's it's spelled M-I-D-I-A-N. So they care so little about this guy that they don't even spell his name right. It's it's M-I-D-E-O-N, but they spell it M-I-D-I-A-N. Usually a WCW error. Kevin Dunn was asleep mm-hmm. at the wheel here. But um, uh, anyway, um, Corporation interferes, of course. They threaten to destroy Midian if Undertaker doesn't leave his home. Taker comes on Titantron and basically says, you know, go ahead and take convince. The ministry will live on. or They live to die for me, so they're not afraid to die. Do what you have to do, and I'll do what I have to do, basically. So, you know, it doesn't give a crap. Just like the production doesn't care about his name spelled. You know, he's prepared to die for me, and 
Um, and as we, as he says that, a car kind of drives up and the feed goes out um, at, at the McMansion there. So, um, and we cut the commercial and we don't find out anything that happened. We don't know what happened with Midian in the ring, in the cage. Nope. We don't know what happened at the house. Just all of a sudden we're back from commercial and Vince and Shane are backstage again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know it's mind numbing. This is like the angriest I've gotten watching this Tiger stuff. It's so much. It's like it'd be something if it was just one segment every week, but it's I know fifteen segments this entire night. Yeah, um, the law enforcement so, goes to the house. They can't find anything, and Undertaker again says, "Law enforcement's finest." I, I could, I could see yeah. where we wouldn't be found sarcastically saying, "How could you not find the Ministry of Darkness?" Yeah. There? And then I, he kind of confirms that he's talking about Stephanie here because he says, It's time to get back to business. I know what time she's expecting home, Vince. And I will be here to greet her. Maybe I could be that father figure she never had. Or maybe I could just torture her. But no worries. In due time. You will be witness to my madness. So, uh, yeah, yeah, abduction, rape, molestation. <laughs> that's what we're implying here. Good Lord. Well, oh, man, it's uh, let me take it in for a second. Oh, man, because then, OK, to top that all off, the camera's going to pan away. And we're going to see an Undertaker symbol on fire in Vince's front lawn, which is a page Right out of the Ku Klux Klan's playbook. I mean, holy crap, dude. I don't understand. We got flaming crosses in the front yard. We're going to rape and pillage this young girl or abduct her. I don't know. It is just too much. It ain't your mama's wrestling, baby. Well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> they are doing everything they can to make you hate The Undertaker. And they, are, they have made him a heel, no doubt about it. He could not possibly be more evil. Right. Exactly. And then... Later on, in this same night of Raw, we're going to see, remember, Vince, I mean, excuse me, Vince is at this episode of Raw, which I think is on the West Coast, and Taker is at his house in Greenwich, Connecticut. Um, So later on in the night, Triple H and Kane are going to fight around ringside. Triple H is feuding with Kane anyway um, for WrestleMania. Vince comes out and says, I need your help, Kane. I need your help, Kane. Kane, if you notice, he's a little bit smaller, a little bit slimmer, hair's a little bit straighter. And uh, he's he's doing the the uh, his best to get his all um, you know his the way he walks and moves, but you kind of know what's going on here. We've seen this. We've gone to this well several times here. So um, Kane gets in the ring, takes his mask off, and who is it? It's his brother, the Undertaker, here pulling their <laughs> old trick. And I will say, this got a huge pop when Kane took yeah. his mask off and revealed himself to be the Undertaker. That the the Undertaker was here. The whole time playing a trick on Vince McMahon. Uh, I don't know if it was supposed to get a pop or what, but it, nope. <laughs> it, it certainly did here. Uh, and then, as Vince McMahon is terrified, we hear Undertaker say, It's just that simple. Anytime, anywhere. Then the lights right. go out. Then Kane's pyro hits. Then the lights come back up and Kane's music plays. And the Undertaker is gone. But Vince is still standing there. <laughs> yeah. And then we cut to commercial. And that's the last yeah. we ever hear about it for the whole night. I know, man. It's ah, it's too much. Like this could have been over several weeks. It doesn't make sense. There's three thousand miles away from each other. We've seen now. We've seen you know Taker teleport before, basically. But 
I just wrote in my notes here. It's like it, something that drives me nuts about tra- the Transformers series. In Transformers 2, Optimus Prime trans- teleports Shia LaBeouf to Egypt, like through the Earth crust. And then he never, ever, 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 ever uses that secret power again in any of the sequels. Um, that drove me nuts about this, too. It's like he's 3,000 miles away. We, we've seen him go from like a, a coffin to or casket to the Titantron or whatever like that or buried alive and disappear. But this is he's going 3,000 miles of Graceland, baby. And he's, he's showing up and, and leaving. So I don't know what's happening here. I don't know. Um, I think that's the most anyone's talked about Transformers 2 in about 10 years. Oh, yeah, you got it. I'm, you're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> I've never seen that. I only saw the first Transformers. Oh, well, I just, yeah, the second one sucks. So. Uh, anyway, um, good Speaking analysis, of sucks. though. I'm sure someone <laughs> out there gets it. Um, no, yeah. very <laughs> – I'm just <laughs> I'm just busting uh, Anyway, yeah, um, yeah, we can really just glance over the next two. They are the go-home shows, Heat – and raw here but honestly yeah. that was like the peak of the build up right right there uh, boss man has a match with the rock on heat and again we got tension in the corporation another layer yeah. to all these different storylines but it ends up with the ministry interrupting that match uh the rock tries to ditch boss man but undertaker and bearer stop the rock in the aisle and then the old big nasty uh paul white <laughs> Tries to save The Rock, and The Rock argues with him. So you've got another 10 feuds being teased right there. So that's Heat. And then the go-home yep. Raw, uh, we do get a cool matchup here for a few minutes with The Undertaker and The Acolytes taking on Boss Man, Test, and Shamrock. Dude, now I could have gone for that six-man. Undertaker and The Acolytes, that's a six-man team right there. And it's not another Midian, not matchup, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For the five yeah, all minutes six that guys they're are, out there, they're just—they're not holding back, pulling punches. Yeah. No, not at all, man. It's—I mean—it's good for what it is, but it's just more of an angle because you got Taker and Bossman going to fight to the crowd. That's the match really never gets started, but more of an angle. But this is the night that um, everyone remembers as the as the beer bash at the beginning. So, um, one cool thing though is Vince says, "I figured it out. I think Austin and Taker are conspiring together to divide my attention." Um, yada yada yada, beer bash. So, <laughs> but cool little, cool little, um, you know, Austin Taker gonna rumble again in a couple months here. So, um, you know, I don't know. I appreciate him at least saying that because it does make sense. Um, but yeah, this is the go home show has less of an angle for Taker here than the show the week before did. It's really strange, but um, yeah, anyway, good night of Raw because of the beer bash, but nothing oh, yeah. really still, here for us to talk about with Taker. a great moment right there. Um, and so one last thing I want to talk about before the night <laughs> of WrestleMania was, was the uh, night before WrestleMania, something called the WrestleMania Rage Party. Uh, did you remember this? I remember uh, when, when Pritchard talked about it on his show, I remember yeah. like they covered it. I remember this. Yeah, specifically, and when finding out, I don't remember if I got a tape of it or watched it with you, or I don't remember how I've seen it, but I've uh, seen it yeah. before. We watched so, it, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, it was yeah. Vince McMahon's dream. It was a wrestling show without any wrestling. It's just <laughs> promos and music, and it all kicks off with a performance of Chocolate Salty Balls from, oh, Isaac from South Hayes. Park. A live performance. <laughs> Uh-huh. I said, Isaac it's Isaac Hayes, yes. Um, and, and then performances thought, by uh, Big Pun and uh, Cherry Poppin' Daddies. Whoa. That's Dad's 1999 right there for you. Yeah, oh yeah, you can't. 
I mean, you can't even say those words anymore <laughs> on television. So, golly, Isaac Hayes. Ooh. Chocolate salty. That's, that's I mean, totally out of control. Nothing gets oh, me in man. the mood for WrestleMania than some chocolate salty balls. Um, oh, man. Undertaker does cut a like a serious promo in the middle of this giant crowd. They have, they have a big party in this nightclub before WrestleMania yeah. with all the stars there. And Undertaker cuts this over-the-top promo. It, it's, I, I, we'll post it on social media this week. Yeah. You can, it's all on YouTube. I went back and watched It's just funny to see him there in the midst of all these uh, – Ladies of the night and party animals and Jerry Pop and Daddies <laughs> cutting this wrestling yeah. promo about taking the big boss man straight to hell. But uh, I just had to mention that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think in that promo, too, he said something about taking her hand and leading her into darkness until yeah. until nothing do us part or something like that. More so, of that. Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, man, that was a wild, wild night there. I can't imagine the sheer debauchery that happened at that show or after. Oh, man, <laughs> if you were at the rage party, let us know. Mother goose, if y'all <laughs> yes, remember it. Let us know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that brings us to Heat 35, March 28, 99, my mom's birthday. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's why I didn't see this. So um, I never got to see Heat. I was always coming home. I was always out to eat after church. I never got to see Heat. So um, anyway, this is right before Mania. Boss Man gets interviewed by investigative journalist Michael Cole in the ring. He says something here. He goes, I spent more time in a cell than Taker has walking this earth. Goo! <laughs> Freaking old man. Seriously. So, yeah. Um, but he says, Hell in a cell, that is my home. It is a dangerous place. So listen close, dead man. Tonight, I'm going to make you live up to that name. <laughs> dead man. Uh, lights go out, and we get another another voiceover from Taker, and he says, Tonight, I will be your personal escort on your one-way trip to the darkness, straight to hell, and I hold the key to her soul. So, and then we get something epic. Well, the, the brood, brood gonna, hit the ring yeah. and give the boss man the bloodbath. Which, dude, yeah. I, yeah, Bruce Pritchard says he didn't like the bloodbath on his show. Well, the bloodbath was friggin' awesome. That <laughs> yes. was one of the coolest things ever. It was over huge. It set them apart. Uh, it was yeah. It worked for me every single time. Oh loved yeah, it. their entrance Great was awesome. Their music was yes. awesome. The bloodbath was awesome. So I loved the awesome. brood. <laughs> um, well. Let's talk about Big Boss Man here for a second as we get into WrestleMania 15, the Raging Climax, March 28, 1999, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, as brought to you by M&M's Crispy. Um, not a fan. Gross. Yep. Don't even tell me you like those. No. No. Huh? No. M&M Peanut. No. Peanut M&M's, number yeah, one. Yeah, absolutely. Peanut and plain all the way, man. Yeah. Excellent. So, uh, yeah, Crispy was a dud, man. Terrible. It's a dud on the star rating. So, yeah, I wanted to mention, like, okay, so Boss Man made his debut in, in the WWF in 88. Um, and back then, I mean, he I remember he was in the house show loop with, like, on top with Hulk, you know, like Saturday a lot of those house shows. Event. Saturday Night's Man event. Like, like, what a star he was, you know? I mean, yeah, he might have been the, um, the big guy that was just fed to Hulkster, but still, like, it's a big day. It's 88, and here we are in 1999, so 11 years later. Um, and I want to say that um, this is his first WrestleMania. He, since 8, he was on WrestleMania 5, WrestleMania 6, WrestleMania 7, and WrestleMania 8. And he's going to be on one more the next year in 2000. Um, this is his first and only WrestleMania loss. How about it? Wow. <laughs> yeah, dude. Pretty cool. So good for him. He had a WrestleMania streak. We had no idea. So um, pretty cool. Dude, he is no question for me a Hall of Famer. Uh, he's in the Hall yeah. of Fame and well deservedly so. 
Yeah. He's one of the, you know, he's one of the saddest wrestlers that passed away for me. I, yeah. I got very sad when he passed away. Always a huge mark for the boss man. To me, like, you know, Vader's up there for sure, but boss man, as far as big men, just amazing. One of my all-time favorites. And, yeah, I, everything you said, I loved him as a kid. Plus he's from Georgia. <laughs> he's from Cobb County, Georgia, where I live right now. Uh, yeah. he, he went to the church that I used to work for briefly, uh, oh, nice. way, way before I ever went there, but uh, apparently some yeah. people there knew him, old Ray Trailer. Uh, he's go. got his promos, his style, his intensity, his charisma was awesome. So yes, he, all of that praise for Bossman. His longevity here, being in this role, is great, but unfortunately, in my opinion, in the year 1999, he is just not credible in this role nope. to be second from the top against the undertaker. He just, he passed his prime. He doesn't pull it off. And I know he's going to do some really funny stuff with big show that a lot of people love nowadays, but it's, it's really just cheesy and goofy as all get out. But I know people online love that stuff with big show and, and it's funny and all that, but he just doesn't work for me in this role or in this match. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's definitely not the Undertaker match you're looking forward to it at WrestleMania. Um, you know, but it is what it is. I guess it's telling, trying to tell the story of this heel factions. Uh, it's just a he's a pawn in the greater scheme of things. You know, unfortunately. And it is so second from the top again. The yep, Undertaker yeah. just going to show his power, and it. I forgot that it was. I, I, I forgot that it was second from the top, but it definitely I should it be. I thought show. Considering the amount of TV time it's gotten, it's been booked as the <laughs> yeah. semi-main event, and they do put it in that role. So I believe that's four years now that The Undertaker has either been in the main or co-main event of WrestleMania. Mm, wow. Yeah. Well, and he should be, you know, and as we are going to go on in the future, he'll even be the main event when he's not even wrestling for a championship. So that's we'll right. see. But, um. Yeah, so you know, I do like the placement. I forgot it was at the you know near the end of the show too, um, second from the top. So uh, I like that. But let's get into it here. We got Cole and Lawler on commentary, like you said. Um, the cell starts lowering as Bossman comes out first, and I just wrote, man, he's got no reaction. I mean, he got some boos, but like, there's no heat on him. There's no, no there's nothing to boo. Like it's not the fact that he's a heel. <laughs> you know, like there's no stakes there, and. Um, Taker's got new music now, ish. It's it's got the it's the remix kind of what he had back in the fall, um, but it's got this voiceover at the beginning where he's talking and he's basically giving all those purity of evil names and stuff, and he's got that Latin uh, chanting throughout he's saying, it. Saying worship the Lord of Darkness, give your soul yeah. to the ministry, this sort of stuff. Yeah, and he comes out, and you know he's got new. New look-ish, I mean, new attire, basically. And I just threw up my notes that he looks like Charlize Theron from Snow White and Huntsman. Very Raven-ish. She's, I got a lot of movie, movie. Dude, I had to reach. Another one dying. I've never seen. <laughs> what? You got to see that. No, thank just, you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I saw it at the kids with the kids at work. Anyway, um, he looks like a, like basically like, like a walking raven. You know, not the character, but an actual black raven. So... Almost like Super Shredder shoulders, and he's got this black feathers kind of on him, and his I thought he chest, looked awesome, you, man. I yeah, yeah. No, I like it. Okay, no, I like it. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm not crapping on. It. I'm just, I'm just thinking. Again, I had to think of something to, because yeah. this whole build is mind numbing to me. But um, yeah, he, I think he looks cool. You know, honestly, but he's got this new gear that has his symbol like on his chest, and you can see his chest through it, like underneath, which Kane would go to eventually with a mesh on there. So and showing off his uh, his chest uh, muscles there, I guess. But yeah, I like the new look. Uh, it's really cool. It's very dark, 
you know, and ominous. So I like that. He's going so. all in with his new character uh, definition or, or yeah. the way he's portraying himself. And I do appreciate that. But uh, he heads into the ring. Paul Bearer is locked out of the cage, and he demands to know why to the referees. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Bearer, he's been so under the radar here, which is another terrible part of this whole buildup. Yeah, I know. We don't hardly hear anything from Bearer. But he's going to be great during this match. Uh, he's going to be over. Well, the top. He's going to have a great moment here in a, in a few minutes. We, we hear a lot from him here because the crowd sure ain't saying anything. No, so. they don't. <laughs> uh, commentary notes that uh, Cole uh, specifically notes that no athlete has stepped into this cage with the Undertaker and ever been the same since, which is a cool, uh, cool yeah. side note to me. And he brings up Mankind and Shawn Michaels, and he's absolutely right. So bringing up the intensity of this yep. match and what it could mean. Of course, it's not at all going to live up to those, these things. But uh, King mentions, right. well, Boss Man, he, he's not the cop from the village people. This is a cop that loves to inflict pain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Thanks, man, King. I love it. King, he's always good for a good one-liner. So, oh, man, so we got Boss Man starting off on offense in the corner. It's kind of in the corner slugfest, you know, um, Typical, typical for, you know, Undertaker match at this point. Punches to the body and face. Bossman boss man gets a hope spot. Taker gets back in control. Gets a one count. Man, I appreciate the one count. I love one counts. Everything's a two count nowadays. I hate it. Got to get a one count, man, so it's believable. Bossman then hits a swing and neck breaker, dude. Like, for a two count. It was a good looking one, too. Yeah, dude. Bossman could work. snug. Yeah. Well. Snug. Okay. That's all going on. And then Michael Cole has... The most infuriating thing I've heard on commentary in 55 <laughs> episodes. Michael Cole, in this Hell in a Cell match, says, This isn't your traditional steel cage. You can get a finger caught in there. <laughs> what? Oh my god. Mankind <laughs> was thrown off of it through a table. Thrown through it. There's been, Shawn Michaels bled, almost bled out in it. But dear Lord, someone could get their fingers caught in this cell. And who has a, a finger the size of salami that could get stuck in the, one of the chain link things? Well, oh. King rightfully calls him out on it, and just like Corey Graves yeah. call out Byron Saxton nowadays, yeah. King's like, "That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. What are you talking about? A finger? This is hell in a cell." Exactly. Oh dear Lord, Ew. man. Oh, Michael man. Cole. T- I, I respect him and I enjoy him nowadays. Nowadays, but yes. This was so bad. So bad. So bad. So bad. Uh, oh man. Yeah, it's awful. He also says this too. He goes, "Cole's been." Re- <laughs> I'm sorry. Cole says, "Taker's been really inhuman as of late." And King goes, "He's always been inhuman." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he says that, and then you got you got a few boring chants, oh. sadly, you know, in a Taker match, and then. Man, my favorite part comes right here. Bossman hits him with the handcuffs and cuffs him to the side of the cell. And then he does, after he does that, he, he like walks backwards and he does jazz fingers. And the camera gets a great shot of him doing his little woo, like jazz fingers. And like you can just tell he's giddy to get on the taker now because he's got him chained to the cell. Oh, yeah. Well, not for long. Unfortunately, it doesn't last long because when he hits Undertaker, Undertaker immediately rips the handcuffs off the cell. They break away <laughs> way too early. I'm pretty sure he was, yeah. that was not supposed to happen there. Um, no. But uh, Undertaker's just so strong. He ripped those handcuffs right off the cell. Oh, yeah. And so, then he gets a nightstick to the head and does a blade job. You Undertaker. Know, uh, this from is, a nightstick, yeah. I think this is only the second time we've ever seen him bleed. 
Uh, yeah, because he bled. chair shot from Shawn Michaels, unless I'm forgetting yeah. something. Yeah, this is two or three. Yeah, I can't remember, but yeah, not often. So when he does, it means something. So he's going to blade for the big boss man in the Hell in the Cell at WrestleMania. Yeah. <laughs> so, man. Anyway, throws boss man into the wall of the cell very, very hard like a javelin. Yeah. Uh, Taker grabs a chair from under the ring. And then Bear comes over to Boss and goes, you're going to serve hard times. You're going to serve hard times. I love it. He's working the uh, whole time, man. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, Undertaker uh, hits Boss Man in the back with a chair. And, again, the crowd is just unenthused. Some dude in the front row just stands <laughs> straight up in front of the camera and starts yeah. waving at the camera. This is the second to the main event, folks. Yeah. Um, Boss yeah. Man ends up bleeding as well uh, from getting hit in the cell. And Bossman gets a little hope here as he kicks Undertaker off, uh, going for old school, kicks his leg out, and then throws him into the cell. Yeah, and then at this point, we get the camera panning back to show the crowd is on their seats, not on their feet. <laughs> so they're just sitting down as these two guys, who are doing the best they can, they're slugging it out. You know, just going at it each other. This lots is of hell bullshit. in a cell. This has been two yeah. of the most amazing, iconic, memorable yep. matches in WWF history over the past couple of years. We've only seen it in rare circumstances, and the crowd could not care yeah. any less. That is just sad. It's sad, man. It's sad the job that they've done here to make this mean nothing, you know? And again, you got two heels. You don't do this on the biggest show of the year, so... Um, yeah, Taker hits a low blow and then goes for a tombstone. Bossman reverses out of it. Taker then hit, actually hits the tombstone for the only pop of the match. Classic pin, gets the win at 9 minutes 48 seconds. And who gives a crap? <laughs> Not the crowd. Not the crowd at all. They didn't care. No. They didn't care. They Nobody's on the edge. No one stands up. No one nope. cheers. No one chants. No one's, yay. It's just... Nope, nobody cares. Well, maybe they knew what was coming next. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The Undertaker does take his streak to 8-0, as we note that. I don't think yeah. anyone on commentary talked about it. They've talked about his streak a little bit in previous years, but no mention of it here as Undertaker goes to 8-0. But Undertaker celebrates. He raises his hands and looks up to the heavens as all of a sudden the brood come rappelling down from the ceiling, landing on top of the cell. And they start ripping at the top of the cell, trying to open up a hole in it. And we see that they have a giant noose that they send down through the cell to the Undertaker before they buckle up again and fly back up. <laughs> oh, not all of them get to fly back up. Would you say it's a pretty noose to get another little Soundgarden quote in there? Absolutely. Pretty noose. Um, yeah, they hand this pretty noose down to him. And uh, like you said, more attempted murder here. We got Taker putting the noose around Bossman's neck. The Brood go reattach themselves, and Gangrel and Christian go up like gangbusters, floating away. Edge gets stuck halfway up, and he's just posing, hanging there. And on their um, on their podcast I listened to, he's like, yeah, it was a bad night. He's like, I just had to hang there, look like an idiot, and so I just hang out, literally, while I just hoped that the camera wasn't shooting me. So, <laughs> um, And then the cell starts to lift up, and Boss Man is hanging, what, 10 feet above the ring, I guess? Yeah. From... From a noose, and yeah, I got. I mean, the, it's more the big death. boss man is hung from the hell in a cell. 
Yeah. That really happened at WrestleMania. And it was just a new level that we've taken all this again. That And Boss Man, he sells it like death. He, he does. He struggles for a few minutes and then just is lifeless and limp, just hanging there. It's an impressive visual. Okay. Sure. You know, I think... You know, as a kid, I couldn't tell, but you know, there's a harness that he's hooked onto. Yeah, I, I used to, I couldn't tell how they did it uh, for yeah. a long time. It looks amazing, but I get, this is supposed to be wrestling, and now we're yeah going beyond beating somebody up to literally murdering them. <laughs> it's not attempted murder. It looks like he no. kills them. Yeah, he actually kills them here, and, and um, the whole time, Cole. what is Michael Cole doing? Is it symbolic, King? Is it symbolic? Is this an effigy of the corporation? Is it symbolic, King? Shut up, you idiot. No. He's it's, hanging a guy. It's not symbolic. It's He's not, murdering someone in front happening. of you. He's murdering someone in front of you. Oh, my goodness. Well, he so, doesn't care that much because he starts screaming, is it symbolic? Is it symbolic? I don't know, folks. It's been quite the weekend. Let's take a look back last night at the WrestleMania Rage. <laughs> As the boss man is hanging there. Yes, a palate cleanser, if you will, to go... Take a look back at the WrestleMania Rage Party. Um, I got, I got a question, man. Why did the corporation not come out and help? Why did okay? The, the, it only took three guys, not, not even the rest of the ministry. Three guys drop a pretty noose down there. Undertaker hangs him by himself, and it takes several minutes. It's almost as long as the match itself, you know, to do all this. And he's hanging there, and the lights are out, and there's strobe lights going, so you can't really. It's good visual, but Vince doesn't come out. No, nothing. You know, Vince comes out for the next match to referee it. And doesn't Where the heck seem was to he? care when that his, boy... his security guy was murdered. Was murdered just a second ago. But don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, Bossman shows up pretty quickly. Oh, and man. it's not as quick as, as um, the giant falling off of a – getting pushed off of a mountain or off the top of a building and going back the night to win the uh, title. But it is – he comes back pretty soon to don't know yet. But, yeah, man, I got nothing else to say about this. It is just – Bottom of the barrel, awful, hard to watch. That's why I had to come up with so many movie references. <laughs> That's the problem with all of it, is that we've gone from wrestling to legit murder. And it's, yeah. I know we're talking about The Undertaker. We're obviously talking about crazy Love stuff, it. supernatural yeah. stuff. But how are we supposed to take this seriously when a guy gets hung yeah. and we're just supposed to move on to the next thing, the next thing happening? To the next, yeah. To the, the next match, rage party. To the yeah. rage party. It's just... That that sums it all up right there. And then yeah. almost as if he's immediately being punished for his idiotic commentary in the last match, Michael Cole <laughs> brings out Jim Ross to rightfully call the main event Latin yeah. of Stone Cold and The Rock, which <laughs> I appreciated that. But yeah, yeah, just thank God all this is over and we can move on to the next thing. I don't know if it's going to get any better, but good Lord, I don't know if it can get much worse. Yeah, I ninety nine is you. You touched on it a few weeks ago about how you don't have the fondest memories this year. Obviously, it was huge business for the business, but this Taker stuff in particular is definitely my, like we said, it's our least favorite. I think you know era of his. Try to be positive about it, but it's so hard, man. It's so hard to be positive about this stuff. Um, but again, he's giving it his all. He's doing a good job. He's he's into the character. Everybody's playing their parts well, but you just can't kill someone on. <laughs> You can't kill somebody. <laughs> oh, no, and man. then we're treading into too much. all this stuff with Stephanie, and it's just getting to yeah. the next level creepiness and weirdness too. So, but we'll talk about that more on 
next week's episode as we dive into Backlash In Your House 1999, the final In Your House pay-per-view. We'll cover that next yeah. week. And we'd love to hear from you. We'd, we'd love to hear what you thought of WrestleMania 15, what you thought of the Boss Man Undertaker buildup, the sacrifice of Midian, the Dungeon of Doom comparisons, any and all this <laughs> stuff that we talked about. We thank you for joining along on our longest episode ever. We had three Sorry. months worth of stuff <laughs> to cover really here. And, you know, obviously it's some of the most important stuff in Undertaker's career. I know the ministry has its defenders. We'd love to hear from you and what you thought of it as well. Hit us up, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Talking Taker, or subscribe and listen wherever you get your podcasts from. Let us know what you thought of it. Leave us a comment and review, and we will read them on next week's episode. We want to hear from you and what you thought about everything. Sure, and if you were there in Philadelphia, if you were there at the Rage Party, let us know. Otherwise, ladies and gentlemen, take it easy. Ah, look, the yeah. are still dressed in those druid robes, trying right? to find the ministry for Mr. McMahon. Yeah, that's them, all right. What are we going to do now? Well, Vince didn't tell us to do anything. He just want us to find him. I got a good idea. Why don't we just kick the damn door and go in there and get him? Briscoe, are you crazy? Are you smoking that stuff again? Oh, Pat, you know our credentials. I mean, listen, I was all state in Oklahoma. I was all American in Oklahoma.